Hello, rogues. It's episode 7 of the Streets of Avalon re-release. We're just about five stretch goals in as of this recording, which means that for the $10 PDF, you'll get the book, The Streets of Avalon, and the following supplements. The Urban Ranger, The Firearms of Avalon, A Map of a Neighborhood, and Iron Shoes, an adventure by Avalon creator Brett B. of Gaming MBS. Next up is The Urban Barbarian, and there's even more goodies to light the lamps on beyond that. So click on the link in the post notes if you want to get in on all the dark city-wide urban fantasy action, or you can just type in tinyurl.com slash streetsofavalon. Now before we get to the play, let's get another preview in for you folks. Investigation Crime Solving Murder, arson, missing persons, all of these things and more are common in Avalon. Desperate people do seemingly mad things at times. Cultists of Erlig commit foul deeds, dark things creep out from the workings of wizards, and the bodies pile up in the alleyways, waiting for the lachey to cart them off. Investigation into criminal activity and mysterious happenings is hit and miss, so it's often up to the leaders and self-styled protectors, or vigilantes, of a neighborhood to help bring justice to the people. For the most part, the magistrates, griffins, and other members of the legal system have no issue with this. In fact, it's not unheard of for officers in the griffins to welcome the help. Even the honest ones can only do so much for their charges. Here are some mechanics you can use to have investigation and crime-solving games on the streets of Avalon. Finding information. Information is the core of any investigation. It gives the player something to act on. As a DM running an investigation-heavy game, you want to make sure the players always have information they can act on. The following procedures allow for that to happen. When looking for information, any skill or background, except for investigation, can be used to gather information. Follow this procedure. 1. Ask the players what they are doing to find or learn information. 2. Determine the least amount of information necessary for the characters to follow the threads of the overall investigation. 3. If there is extra information to learn or be found that could benefit the characters, note that as well. 4. If there's only one piece of information that can be learned or found, and it's necessary for the adventure to move forward, give it to the characters regardless of success or failure of the skill check. Failure should result in the characters finding the information with some cost. Here are some sample costs. Time, assuming time is a resource that is important to the investigation. A spell slot of first level or higher. A combat encounter. Wealth or possessions. The safety of allies. A loss of inspiration. A red herring that sends the PCs in the wrong direction, needing to complete further encounters to get back on the correct path. 4. If using a cost for a failed roll, set the DC of the skill check. 5. If there is extra information to be had, set the DC needed to discover the extra information. 6. Determine if a character's skills or background would be appropriate to use to gain information in the situation, or if the lack of a certain skill set or background would hinder the characters. 7. Grant advantage or disadvantage based on the knowledge base or situation of the characters if appropriate. 8. Have the player characters attempt the skill check. The most important thing is to make sure the characters have information to continue acting on once the dice roll has been resolved. Sidebar. Using intelligence with other skills. You may need to modify the skill check to be intelligence, whatever skill they're using, depending on the player character's description of how they're looking for information. For example, if someone is trying to determine how one got into a second floor window and examines the alley for ways to get up to the window, they can make an intelligence acrobatics check. 
In that case, just have them add their proficiency modifier to their intelligence modifier when making the skill check, assuming they're proficient in acrobatics. Next time, we'll talk about the investigation skill and how it's used in investigative games. Now on to the next episode. And if you've backed the Kickstarter, thank you. And if you have or haven't, please tell your friends, enemies, the monsters you know, any rogues you associate with, and everyone in between about the Streets of Avalon. Last time on the Streets of Avalon, Morris spoke with Master Corwin, the rest of our rogues met with Mort the Lachey at his graveyard, and we learned about Ergon the Architect. Now let's find out what Morris's next move is and what the rest of our rogues will do next. Welcome to the Streets of Avalon, played by the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars, and presented by Misdirected Mark Productions, in conjunction with Gaming and BS, She's a Super Geek, and the Knights of the Night. Now for the introductions of our GM, the players, and the characters. Uh, Brett B. from Gaming and BS, I am the Dungeon Master. Hi there, this is Kevin Lovecraft. I'm playing a bard in this 5e campaign. Maris Solanus. Uh, my name is Tom. I'm one of the GMs and editors of Knights of the Night Actual Play Podcast. I am uh, playing a druid character, Nora Maginis, also known as Grandmother. I'm Emily from She's a Super Geek. I make up about one half of it, technically. I am playing a ranger, Fionn McFinnegan. And my name is Chris Nizak, and I am one of the hosts and, I guess, the architect of Misdirected Mark Productions. I am playing a character called Vassar Vim. I am a rogue who lives on the hard streets of Avalon, and I turn the microphone over to Brett B. Vassar, your mother, Julie, is, she's not necessarily pleased. She knows the coppers as well as you do. Mm -hmm. She's nervous. She's wondering, Vassar, what are you going to do? I mean, if I'm safe, you're not. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. You should just stay here with me. Uh, Mom, I mean, things you don't know about me, I'm kind of uh, part of the mask gilder I was, and I run the streets, and I just made a whole bunch of money, and I got this covered. You stay here, be safe, I'll be back whenever I I come back, and hopefully it'll be in like a few days. She looks at you, and she has this long, wistful, and you hear the, she whispers that you are so much like your father right now. (laughs) Uh, And we don't, I don't like talking about dad, you know that. I know, I just, it's just, I can see it. This is, this is what he told me when he left. Yeah, well, he's kind of a jerk for leaving you high and dry like he did. By the way, I would never do that. And then I, I whisper in her ear where I left the gold. Okay. So if I don't come back, you can take that and you can go on vacation for forever. But you're coming back though. You're all I have. So you're coming back. Yes, mama. The nervous, I'm, the tear. She's hiding mama. the tears. Tap, tap on the chest. You're coming I'm, back. Straightens up your clothes, brushes your hair. You're coming back. Yes, mom. I'm coming back. I love you, Mom. Be safe, okay? You're going to be careful. You're not going to do anything stupid, right? Uh, t- um, yeah, Mom, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'll tell you what, how about this? If you do something stupid, just please don't tell me. Sure, seems fair. Well, when I come back, I'll tell you that I went to a tea party. How does that sound? Yes, perfect. And I will have found you someone to marry by the time you're back so we can settle down and use this immense fortune that you've come upon to, uh, re- we can retire somewhere. That's what we'll do. You can retire somewhere and I'll come visit you. Every once in a while. We'll figure that out later. Absolutely, Mom. Mom, are you, you going to be okay? I'll be fine. You'll be fine. Give right. you a hug. I just... Kiss. You need to go now, and um, I'll be fine. It, if for some reason it all goes wrong, you know... It can't go wrong because you're coming back. I mean, you couldn't... It can't go wrong. And uh, if, if something were to happen and I were to need some money, 
Um, while I wait for you, I know where to find it. Okay, good. That's all. I give my mom a kiss on the on the cheek. And I give her another hug, and I'm like, "You be safe." And then I I run back off towards the cemetery. Give me a perception check, please. Sure. I only get a ten. You're being followed. Great. I don't run right back to the cemetery then. Did they follow me to the house? You're not certain. Okay. So this is what I do. I mean, this is my hood, man. I know this place really well. Yes, you do. I go a couple of blocks and I, I hook a left. I don't go right back to the cemetery. And I hook this left because I know that there is a uh, a place where I can get up onto the roof if I need to right here. And I leap up onto a, uh, there's like a bench that's there that I can jump up, grab a windowsill and pull myself up onto the second floor of this roof to see who the hell's following me. Perfect. Give me a one more perception check. The physical aspects of this are pretty simple for you. This is routine. Bam, 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 hot parkour here, flip a doo, boom, bam, up. And now it's just a matter of do you see what you wish to see? Uh, I got a 13. Oh, absolutely. This person is not being the uh, best. They're not necessarily stealthing. Once you you caught sight of them and you on your run and then started to the zig, the zag, and put a little hitch in your giddy up and you made your way there and they come whipping around the corner. And they stop. They're clearly like, okay, shit, I lost him. They have that look. Thin person, you're not necessarily certain who it is. Has the look of a run-of-a-mill, kind of a street thief type of person. Dagger at the side, regular gear, weather beaten, stained. Just looks like some sort of a rent-a-thug, if you will. Is there anybody around? There's street noise behind you. I should say behind that person. So there's some action, but nothing too crazy. I drop down from where I am onto this person's back, and I club them in the back of the head with the, the hilt of my uh, my short sword. Nice. Give me a tech roll. You have advantage. At 23. Baff. They're down. They have no idea this is coming. They're completely unconscious. I'm assuming you're going to stun or go to full for unconscious. Yeah, I'm going to try to knock them out. Okay. With a 23 base of the skull, boom, they're down. They're not completely unconscious, but they're on all fours with kind of... Oh, that heavy groan where they're fighting back. The eyelids are fluttering. Um, give me another quick perception check. Sure. 17. The face goes through a morph. The eyes kind of almond out a little bit, and everything shifts right back to where it belongs. I stab it. <laughs> Screw that. Roll that. Advantage. Uh, 16. Got it. He's stunned. He's not in the best of shape anyway. Essentially, it's sneak attack, blade straight between the shoulder blades, and pin him to the ground. Then I pull it out quick. Does it turn back into the doppelganger? Yes, it does. Yeah, I just leave it there, and then I take a quick look around to see if anybody noticed, and then I go back to the church. Fair enough. Ain't no one killing my mom while I'm not around. Maris, give me a perception check on your way back. Oh, who said I was on my way back? Oh, where are you going then, Maris? I am hanging out here to see who goes in and out. Oh, nicely done. Because I trust Corwin so much now, along with the rest of my guild, or wannabe guild. Give me a perception check for that, then. Yeah. Not a lot of traffic in or out. There's somebody in the vicinity that strikes you as familiar, as in someone you have seen recently, but you can't put your finger on it. You spot the person kind of across the street from you, kind of loitering up against a, uh, a food stand type of thing. You don't know where you've known this man from, but he's very familiar. All right, I'm going to pull a coin out of my pocket, a copper, and start kind of flipping it and catching it and go walking down the street past that individual 
looking like um, I'm whistling to myself a drinking song. Okay. Making a beeline for the nearest tavern next to that person and looking to see if I can get a look underneath the hat brim or pick anything up as I go by. Okay. But it's going to be all on the very down low as I move past. All right, give me another check. Perception. Nah. You have seen him recently. He reminds you distinctly of one of the people that you fought in the dark behind the iron wheel. Remember the the whole battle in the uh, on the wagon. How we kill all oh, the two guys. We like get away. Yeah, you're not sure. Is it him? Is it not? Uh, I mean, people look the same. I flip the coin to him right towards his face. He catches it, lightning like snap. Sees you, smiles. What the hell are you doing here? Just making sure you're safe. Huh. You know, we were never properly introduced. Mm-hmm. Hold out my left hand. Your left hand? Mm-hmm. Morris, because my right hand's on the hilt of my rapier. Randall, nice to meet you. So why are you keeping an eye on me, Randall? Orders. From? I really can't. Let's go have a drink. They never said I couldn't drink. I'll buy. Fair. That's fair. You slip into a bar, the copper cup. Wine or beer? He looks at you. Ale, please. Ale it is. Two ales. Calls it over. Faster, you've made your way back to the uh, to the graveyard where Mort is, correct? Yes. As you enter the door, Nora is talking. Now, Mort, what you need to do is two days before the full moon is, is harvest these seeds from the plants that Fionn gave you, and you can plant them outside, and you'll get a little bit of our village in your graveyard. They're, they're wonderful flowers. As you see coming in, I mean, the boys and I, these, these are not green thumbs. Yes, but it's a hardy plant. Fionn chose very wisely. Okay. You know what? I, I, will give, I will give it a shot. I have no idea how to describe what I just did for the audio medium. Oh, I got it. I got it. Fionn smiles and gets, it gets smug for a second and does a little happy dance almost. That was a very, hee hee hee, I win. <laughs> I, did, I did so good she complimented me to somebody I've never met before. And another druid clergy person. I feel like that's a big deal. Mort sees you and says, Vassar, I assume uh, your mother is fine? Well, she is now. One of those creatures that we killed at the Iron Wheel the other night was following me. Oh, dear. You killed one? Yeah, why? Again? Uh, yeah. <sighs> well, that'll take some explaining. But it's not your fault. You didn't know. I hadn't had a chance to tell you, so it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be T- fine. Tell me what. We'll find out in a bit. <laughs> it's just, um, dinner? You hungry? I pull out both of my swords. Are you in league with these creatures? I am not in league with them. I have partnered with them for the good of the city. What is their deal? They are seeking the same thing we are. Uh, the box? Like everybody else? They wish to do the same thing we do. Get rid of it? Exactly. Then why didn't they just say that? Well, um, quite honestly, they weren't quite sure who you all were. It wasn't, uh, mm. It was business not personal, I guess is the best way to put it, in street parlance. Business not personal. People that I care about were getting hurt. Some of them killed. Well, um, from their position, the, the box is uh, more dangerous and the needs of the many um, and all that so forth. That's some serious bullshit. And you know what? Next time, why don't you just ask? And I sheath my swords and I storm out. That's literally the ideal on my character sheet. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Vassar, are you outside fuming in the uh, in the dark? Yeah. Is it dark? It is dark. It's midnight. 
as dark as it gets in Avalon. Mm-hmm. Nora is stepping outside to talk to Vassar. Mort looks at you and says, I am sorry, Grandmother. I, I, I don't, I didn't want to find out this way. I'm really sorry. I didn't, uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll take care of it. Oh, good Lord. Fiona freezes up as she's like, I don't know. Do I stay or do I go? There's a lot of cats there. So, you know. Yeah. I will pet cats. <laughs> Mort looks at Fiona and says, I see you have an affinity. Yes. I, I love animals. That's wonderful. We don't have many like you here. Um, we have um, people who wish, I mean, I, I guess they, they wish they were, right? But you have a gift, and this is, um, this is worth cultivating. How about you, um, you take him? He points at the large tomcat. You take him. Oh, I, I would not want to take a cat from his home or from his pride. The cat hops up on your lap. Oh, it's done. It's done. It's done. The cat is chosen. He's yours. What is his name? That's up to you. Well, we shall have to get to know each other. Of course. I'm very excited I cuddle the cat. He calls the boys over. They've got tea out. It's robust but simple kind of uh, food. Kind of a very, very late night snack type of thing. Vassar, you're outside. You are not pleased. Grandmother comes out. You hear the door shut behind you. You kind of do the pissed off glance out of the corner of your eye. And you see his grandmother and not Mort. Are you okay, Vassar? I'm a little less than okay. Mort explained to me some things while you were gone. Perhaps I can bring you up to speed on what he is suggesting. Sure. I agree with you that we don't necessarily trust his almond-eyed friends. This is something we should handle ourselves. So what would you find out? I then explained to him the steps that Mort suggested and how we store the box in the catacomb. So... We're going to take this box down below the sewers into the ancient dwarf space to find this Ergon with someone that Mort says he trusts with his life, even though I don't trust this guy as far as I can throw him. It's not someone. It's more of a something. We are talking about a spiritual creature. That's down there? Yes. Oh, that's this, this Ergon, right? Still alive, supposedly? Mm, I don't believe still alive. Oh, I thought he was still down. I thought in that story that you told, you said he was still down Just there. Just not dead. Just not dead. Oh, okay. If it was my way, I would rather destroy this stupid thing. Hopefully, when Morris gets back, he can tell us he found out some good news about that. But if not, I guess that's the best plan that we got, huh, Grandma? So far, that's the best I've heard. I haven't heard of anyone in the city itself that I would trust. Uh, there's nobody else that I would trust, honestly. Like, this isn't exactly a very trustworthy place, especially because this thing is worth a lot of money. And gold kind of talks around here. Perhaps Mars can also tell us if this is a particularly bad idea, if the mouth somehow has the ability to restore this spirit to full body, or hopefully he's found more what its powers are. Yeah, I hope so. And you know, Granny, I'm just mad because a bunch of people got hurt and Allison got killed and she didn't have to if he would have just told us beforehand. Oh, boy. Don't tell Mars about that. <laughs> Maybe we could have done something differently. Maybe it didn't have to go down like this. Maybe I didn't have to hire a bunch of people that I don't know if we had these things on our side. Maybe I didn't have to kill the one that just happened. You know, I don't really like killing people. It's not a thing that I enjoy. It's just a thing that has to be done sometimes. But these are all the things we know now. When this started, we knew none of this. We didn't even know of the box. Maybe our lives would have been better if it never came to us. I can't argue there. 
Morris at the bar. This uh, gentleman who calls himself Randall has, uh, you guys have kind of pulled up to the tavern. You guys each have an ale. He goes, cheers, cling. That's the old uh, bit. Takes a uh, big swig, wipes the stuff from the mustache, the foam. So, Morris, how's the family? I don't know what else to say. I mean, <laughs> how, how have you been, sir? I've been better. So what's the deal with Corwin? Well, hmm. Corwin's on watch, right? The guild is not too pleased with him. We're pretty certain that um, he's more out for himself than for the guild at this point. Which guild? Just point of clarification here. uh, I'm like twisting my mug around on the table, not really looking at him. The Bard's Guild, the Storyteller's Guild. So you're telling me you're a representative of the guild? I am a member, yes. And why are they watching Corwin? Corwin has, as of late, shown a very unhealthy desire for um, certain bits of knowledge that the guild has decided are probably not fit for him. He doesn't have the stability to deal with it. And why were you in the stables at the inn and trying to kill us? Oh, no, no, no. That was that was not me. That was one of my brothers. I apologize. This is just the... Um, uh, uh-huh. This is the uh, shared guys that we carry. So I, I uh, quite frankly, I'm... Squeeze me? I don't have a lot I of... I lean across the table. He says... Say what again? He says, I don't have... Your brothers? Yes, my brother. Shared I, guys? Yes. I don't have a lot of you memorized, and um, there's only so many I can do. He smiles. Please explain to me why I shouldn't be stabbing you right now. Because I didn't stab you earlier, and I mean you no harm. I'm here to protect you. Huh. Having a hard time believing that. I would expect you to, Yes. It's not easy. All right, what's what's the lowdown here? Sell me on this. <sighs> well, the lowdown is that Mort kind of um, Mort had a well, I, I guess premonition, vision, whatever you want to call that, uh, his type do. He got a hold of us and uh, said that he knew something very big and very bad was coming. Roll that back. Yes. Mort summoned you guys. He asked us. He contacted us. He didn't summon us, per se. I mean, it wasn't like calling us from... We're not like demons or something like that. That's just crazy. Huh. I know, right? So Mort had a vision. Correct. Got a hold of us. Reached out to you guys. Told us what he saw. We were able to then piece together the fact that Violet had been uh, contacting Corwin, what she was looking for... What he passed to her from information was enough to get her on the right-slash-wrong track. She found the mouth of the box. Where the hell did she find that? That I can't tell you right now. Can't, won't. Let's clarify that point. Honestly, I can't. I haven't been told, so I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Sorry, I need to know and all that crap, and apparently I don't need to know. Anyway, from there, they sent a number of us to go and collect the box and bring it back so that we could work with Mort and his contact to get it stuck someplace safe. So, here we are, working with Mort to help you folks, apparently. Sit right there. I'll be back in a minute. Absolutely. Get up. Another beer? Yeah, you can have another one waiting for here for me. Sure. Go walking over to Corwin's. Pound on the door. Door opens up, little boy. Yes. Kick it open. Kick the kid over. Oof. Ow. Eep. Corwin. Down here right now. He opens the door. What? What? Push him up against the wall. Spam. What the fuck's actually going on here? Nothing. Nothing. Pull the dagger out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look. All I know is there's a shit ton of money. And if you get, if I can, look, if I get. Why do I have people telling me 
to be afraid of you and not trust you. No, 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 no. I'm, you don't be afraid of me. You know, there's no need to be afraid of me. I mean, pretty sure I don't have to be worried once you're dead. Well, hey, and hey, your little runt here. There's no reason. There's no reason to get violent. I'm just trying to make some coin here. That's all I'm doing. Violet said That's once you... like the least trustworthy type of answer you could possibly have given. Look, Violet paid me handsomely for some information. I gave it to her. She took it. She found a thing. I know that the thing is in your hands. Tell me about that. What? I, what? What? The... Tell me about Violet and about the thing. Start digging the point in. Now. Ow, 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 ow. All right. Fine, 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 fine. Violet wants the box. She she needs the mouth of early. She thinks it will would be a, a useful tool for her little sub-cult in order to uh, use... What, the fucking Hammerites? Yeah, she wants to use it to overthrow the Church of Odin or something. I don't I don't really... I don't know exactly what she wants to do with it or why she wants it. For all I know, she's an early cultist. I really don't care. And you're cool with that for coin? Well, yeah, it's a lot of money. Where the hell did she find the box? What info did you give her? I, I told her someplace... It, it's way west of here. You got to go outside the wall. It's like a week's journey. It's in this weird... It's it's called the Pines. It's way the heck out in the Pines. It's this little bitty shit village that it's this lumberjack place, and they, they it's in the cave, and it's just it was all myth and legend. I just told her a story, and she took it as gospel. I don't know. She came back with the box, man, and she she owes me a lot of money, and now I'm not going to get paid because she's gone missing. But you guys have the box. Yeah, you're not going to get paid. Dagger through the throat. Oh. <gasps> Damn. All right, he's a dead man. They fucked up really big when they killed Allison. Blade up through here, out the side. Oh. The blood, that nice warm ooze come down over the palm of your hand. Shove him to the floor. His eyes are wide, the gurgling as he goes, and just kind of set him down. Where's Sam? Sam is standing there just staring at you. Mouth open, eyes huge like saucers. Get the fuck out of here, kid, or you're dead. Boom, he's gone. Upstairs. Okay. Where's the scrolls and shit? His room is a pigsty. There are scrolls all over the place. Oh, well, there's going to be a fire. Ooh, well then. Grab the lamp, light it up, go downstairs, close the door, go back over to the bar. Okay. Stop by the table. I'll be right back. Gotta wash my hands. Okay. Then I'll return to the table and say, you know what? Bring another ale. I already got you one. You want another? Yeah, I slammed that one down. Two more, barkeep. You know, Morris, I just met you, and I kind of like you, says Randall. Kind of a man of action. That's good. I've got some debts to settle. They're screaming and yelling outside, fire, fire, old good, ah, fire. Fire in a big city, while made of everything's made of wood, is not good. Vassar, Fion, and Nora can hear the uh, the alarm bells. You've all heard this at some point, even Nora and Fion, through your travel through the city from the east gate all the way to the west gate. Fire breaks out. There's the clangor. The brigades come out, it's buckets, and so forth. They tear buildings down and do everything they can to put it out. It's somewhere in the distance. It could be pretty much anywhere within, you know, two-block radius from the tumult that you're hearing. What are the odds that that has nothing to do with us? Yes, Mort that. And Mort says, oh, I'm pretty sure, um, hmm, in this portentous evening, I would assume it has something to do with us. I mean, I mean, there's like a fire like once a week. Like, it happens. It could not be us. It's not in the neighborhood, is it? I go climb up on the wall and take a look. Yeah, that looks like it's um just that's across from the Copper Cup. Oh yeah, that's the storyteller's chapter house that's on fire. Oh, I'm probably dead. Oh shit, that is the storyteller's chapter house. It was probably Morris. I mean, he was there. This is Vassar's neighborhood. He knows where every house is and who's <laughs> <Yeah>. in everything. <laughs> or somebody killed Morris. 
I'm going to go help because I'm part of the brigade. I'll be back. I go do my thing. I kind of nod my head since Fiona seems to want to go as well. Fiona, you going? Sure. I, if I can help, most people are going to be running away from the fire. I mean, yes, of course, we're going to run to it. So Vassar knows where he's going. He says, oh, shit, I'm part of the brigade. I got to go help. It's my neighborhood, man. Up over the wall, boom, he starts screaming. Fiona's like, um, should I go, Sora? Sort of. And Nora's like, yes, you might as well go. Then she says, I don't know how to even get there. Mort said, boys, take her over there. Get in there. I actually heard that. I stopped and like, just follow me. I yell. Okay. Does the big tomcat come with me? Oh, absolutely. In the company of Vassar Vim, a strapping young lad, two large um, muscle-bound acolytes, and a tomcat, red-headed Fionn comes trotting up to a fire. It is the curse of my life to spend it surrounded by fabulous men. Nora, Mort looks at you and does the, well, um, kids, ah, uh, yeah. So, I apologize. Things did not go as planned. Not one of my better moments. I, um, I'm very sorry. It's been that kind of week. It seems that way. Do you drink, Nora? It seems that kind of week. Ah, excellent. I have a brandy that I've been storing for quite some time. This is going to be special. It's a special kind of night. Oh my, yes. Morris, you're there. People are pouring out of the bar, except for the tavern keeper, because you and Randall refuse to leave. <laughs> so he's not leaving here because God, he doesn't want to have anybody rob the joint, right? So everyone else is out, and it's just you two and the tavern keeper who's kind of nervously looking at you like, why aren't you leaving? There's a fire across the street. He just keeps bringing drinks to you as Randall orders them. So, Morris, what, I guess, um, what's, the, what's the next move? You tell me. I'm very unhappy. Can you make me happy? Well, that depends. I mean, what, what would it take to make you happy, Morris? I don't know. Can you bring Allison back from the dead? Hmm, that's a really long pause. No, I cannot. That, as you know, was not me. It had nothing to do with my people. Huh. I can point you at who is responsible. Would that help? Point away. If you would like, we can go see Mort at the uh, graveyard, and then I can get you there. That'd be swell. Excellent. For what it's worth, Morris, he looks at you and he says, I am very, very sorry. Yeah. Vassar and Fionn and two large strapping acolytes. You're in the Bucket Brigade. A couple people have gone in and drug out a body. There is Corwin, master storyteller of the house. He's dead. He's charred, burned. Oh, wow. Well, I let the fire upstairs. Exactly. I'm just saying it goes quick. It's a dry paper house, basically. In a small room, it only takes about two and a half minutes for the air to become so heated that things will spontaneously combust. So the floor above started to give way. Bits of molten metal and other things kind of drip through from the, the, the pots and the lamps and stuff that were up there. The downstairs starts on fire. So the short version is... But in the dark, when Corwin is yanked out of there, his charred, smoke-ridden body, no one bothers to notice the fact that he was stabbed to death. That's not something anybody sees. Like, oh, house on fire, man was burned, oh my god. People are more concerned about the young boy, Sam, who supposedly worked there. They can't find anything, so um, they just assume that Sam escaped. I assume those of you who are helping are going to do their best to kind of just make sure that it's Fiona and Vassar are going to stay there until the fire is under control. Is that the gig? Yeah. yeah, and we don't see Maris, so that's good. I'm knocking down buildings on the left and the right side of the, of the building that's on fire and helping, like, you know, the Bucket Brigade bring water in. All right, so Bucket Brigade work is done. The buildings are torn down. People are upset. This isn't very good. It's really destructive, blah, blah, blah. It's a couple hours, and you guys are done. By the time you're done, the idea is you're going to go head back to the graveyard. Is that correct, Master and Fionn? Yes. Okay. Unless the cat brings me something interesting that we should investigate. 
No, it is not. You know, I'm actually going to stop a few people and ask them that are around, like, has anybody seen Morris? Nope. No one has seen Morris. Somebody, say, somebody says they thought they saw him go in earlier, but he came out a long time ago. Okay. Okay, so his body's not here, so hopefully he's not dead. Yeah, I, I'm sure he'll come find us at the graveyard at some point. I mean, it sucks that one of his guild leaders was, was burned in this fire. I wonder who said it. Yeah, I wonder, I say to myself, and out loud at the same time. I mean, there's been so many people that we've interacted with who might want to hurt people who are helping us. That's true, Fionn. That's very true. Uh, why don't we go get back? I says, I need to get cleaned up. I'm all covered in, like, smoke and stuff. Nora, after you and Mort um, have your... It's not like quick drink and brandy, right? You get a couple glasses and you take your time. Fire's going. It's comfortable. It's sipping brandy. Exactly. There's a knock on the door. Mort says, come in. It opens up, and you see Maris and a gentleman who is a dead ringer for one of the uh, individuals who you battled in the um, uh, behind the Iron Wheel in the uh, barn area. Mort sees him and says, Randall, ah, I see you found Maris. Come in, come in. The others are uh, battling a fire. I'm not quite sure what happened or where, but uh, Vassar, Fionn, and the boys went to go see what they could do to lend a hand. Randall looks at Maris and says, yeah, I'm not quite sure uh, what the fire is about. <laughs> freaky, freaky things happen. Um, hmm. Morris, this is Mort. Mort is the uh, liché of this uh, of this graveyard. Delighted. Flat, heart full of rage, fuck all y'all tone. I love that. 17 years old, and he's frickin' raging. He's a little angry. His one true love is dead, because at 17, it's always your one true love. Mm -hmm. Exactly. He has most of a very dark gothic ballad already going on in his head. <laughs> Just needs to get quilled to paper, and it'll be a masterpiece. You can remember her in song and story. Mort introduces Nora. This is Randall. He is one of the Changing Clan. Mm. Yeah. Evening. Randall bows deeply and says, I apologize to you on behalf of myself, my people, and any of us who may have harmed you. We were not aware that you were fighting at our side and that we were working towards the same goal. You know, you tend to fight more people when you don't take the time to learn what side they're on. Agreed. Very wise. Randall says, the problem we have is that Quite frankly, we were working covertly, and we did not expect any real resistance. We assumed that we would be able to overtake Violet, obtain the box, and that would be the end of it. You and your companions, your good intentions, got in the way, as it were, from our grand plan. Not that that's a bad thing. I think that all things will indeed work out for the best in the end. However... Excuse me, you came into our establishment, and we got in the way? Well, we had laid plans for months for this particular action, so it was... So you had months to talk to us? No, no, not months to talk to you, uh, months to take this particular piece of action. So, yeah, I uh, Mort looks at him and gives him a, just stop, just stop while you're here, boy, just stop, <laughs> stop right now. <laughs> and um, Randall chokes and butts and thuses and I... Is that tea? <laughs> mm, lovely. Um, pours himself and sits abashedly in a corner. Trying to keep his eyes from Grandma, who is boring holes through the back of his head with hers. Morris, what can you tell us? You went off to find some information. Did you find any? Just that Coron was a shit. He's the guy who hooked up Violet with a box of Ehrlich information. She retrieved it from outside the city of Avalon. And evidently, her big plan to move up the Hammerite uh, chain is to use it, try to take out the Church of Odin. Hmm. 
So it's obviously powerful. I assume anyone who wants it wants it for something foul. And do you have any suggestions on what we do with it? Perhaps I should tell you what Mortis told me, and I bring him up to speed as well. Randall pipes up and says, Morris, the people who are after the box, not Violet, the others, those are the ones who killed her. Wait, 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 wait. You mean not the Hamrites? It was someone else? What do you mean? The Hamrites are simply a tool. They're being used. Okay, so we need to throw that tool out of the toolbox. Who's using it? It's, um, Mort steps in and says it's an ancient enemy. It's an ancient enemy of Randall's people. He is uh, hesitant to uh, speak their name, but it is a, um, they were potent during the Soul War. They were the shadow power behind the throne in many of uh, Erlig's vassals. Their goal is to um, dominate and uh, control, and it is believed by myself and certain other members, especially those of uh, Randall's clan, that there are survivors of this uh, ancient shadow evil yet beneath Avalon doing what they can to um, reinstate their power. Hmm. Just not quite seeing why I should believe you guys. I mean, the whole doppelganger thing, I'm just going to say it. This is racist. Why should I trust you? This is Randall speaking. I do not know what it would take to convince you. I'm not really sure what you can do to convince me. Your actions and inactions have resulted in all sorts of chaos and harm. Fiona and Vassar, you two are arriving back with the with the lads. The cat is the only thing that seems to uh, not stink of smoke and wet wood and burnt parchment and sulfur. And... I've smelled worse. <laughs> of course you have. You've had to dig a midden. <laughs> oh, Morris, you're okay. Good. Uh, what'd you learn? Oh, oh, he's alive. I need a perception check from Nora, please. Did you know that the... House of one of your guildmasters burned down? Yeah, I killed the fucker and lit it up. What? That that's that statement was enough to throw Nora's perception off. She only got a seven on that one. Not so good. Believe you me, he had it coming. So that bastard Corwin, he's the dude who got Violet hooked up with the location of that damn box so that she was able to retrieve it and bring it into the city. Oh. Then she gets it in here. The Hamrites want to use it to take out the Church of Odin. Supposedly, according to our good, super trustworthy buddy Mort and his doppelganger friends here, they're under sway of some unspeaking hidden puppet master pulling the strings from behind who wants to do something even worse than destroy the Church of Odin. Fionn, you have animal handling, am I correct? Yes, I do. Give me an animal handling roll. You have advantage on this. Any animal handling role that has to do with a cat, you have advantage on. This has to do with a cat. Twelve. Ah, the cat is quietly hissing. The back is arched, and it's glaring at the brothers, the two large lads. Can I insight or perception them or investigate? I would love to insight. Insight would work really well here. Do that. Whoo! Oh, hell yeah. Kitty, what's wrong? Hmm? They're the last two to come in. They've shut the door. There is the traditional Avalon night's fog and smog, plus the smoke, the ash, and the soot, and the dust. There is a, um, so they're kind of doing the pat, 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 and just dust and soot and so forth. The Mort is looking at them like, will you stop? One of them has this, it looks almost like a comradely tendril arm of the sooty smog that just kind of seems to hang on them. And um, there is a veined 
almost a pinkish blood-like pulse that goes through it for about that long. And the face of that one changes from a sorry father look to a pissed-off face. He turns and he taps his brother, and that little pulse, that pinkish vein-like pulse of fog passes across his arm all the way down to his brother, and then he gets the same look. Not human! The brothers are going to totally kill us! What? And I I pull up my longbow and try to shoot one of them. Okay, roll. Oh! Holy crap! Yeah, that's a natural 20. Good God! Fionn leaps back, says, They're not human! They're here to kill us! The bow is strung, an arrow is loosed, and twang, thunk! A long shaft strikes the one brother on the right-hand side through the uh, right shoulder, and boom, spins him around and drops him. Boy, I hope I'm right. <laughs> the door to the cabin um, breaks, and in come five other members of the Bucket Brigade. This is not that big of an area, right? So they're, like, trying to work their way into this space. They're not going to be able to get all the way in, but they start trying to force themselves in. They're, again, they're covered in this soot and this fog and smog. Everybody can see it now. There's these grayish... They look like almost like a smoke rising from a campfire. These tendrils have latched onto these individuals, and there's a pinkish vein bloody like connection that seems to like a leech almost like a fog leech has latched onto each and every one of these individuals Vassar you know some of these men that are here with the from the fire brigade you've worked on the brigade with these folks before you've seen them before their eyes are just kind of rolled back in their heads they do not seem to be looking forward they have fire brigade weapons so they have a mattock you know to trenching a trenching tool they've got shovels and pikes or picks in order to to rip down buildings and so forth. And they kind of come surging in. Randall screams and says, It's them, it's them, it's them. This is them. That's all for this episode of The Streets of Avalon. Tune in next time to see what is up with the smoky tendrils, who It's Them is, and if Randall and Mort are trustworthy or not. We look forward to running with you rogues next time.